Hey everyone, Eric from the Schulwell Pod here. Thanks for finding the episode. Want to take a quick moment to say football season, it's right around the corner, right? And we all know what that means. Fantasy football season's in full swing. If you're looking for a place to play, look no further than underdog fantasy. Guys, it's the best and most importantly, the easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. Here's a deal. On underdog fantasy, all you do is draft. No need to worry about waivers, send your lineups or injuries. Underdog's going to handle all of that for you, so all of your focus is on winning cash prizes. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long team, and that's it. There's no in-season management. Totally hands-off. And, and get this. They're going to give you a free 25 bucks just for signing up so you can take a shot at their $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's right. Get a free $25 in bonus cash on Underdog Fantasy. Just use the code 5RSN when you make your first deposit. Again, that code is 5RSN. Can't emphasize this enough, guys. Underdog, it's extremely easy to use. The mobile app is slick. The website's user-friendly. So do what we've all been doing. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. You're good for the year. Remember, go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store, Sign up with the code 5RSN and get your free 25 bucks in bonus cash. Thank you and welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reason Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. It has been a while, but we are back and better than ever. We are what, uh, David, nine days till the start of FIU Panther football, which means we are right around the corner from the start of college football season as a whole. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, CUSA contributor, SB Nation, full house tonight, Mr. David Handel, our FIU super fan. And as he is known on this call, MP, Master Panther. Before we, we get to Shane, you got to say congrats, sir, because you are now a two-time grad of the fine institution, the, the uh, Florida National University. It, it feels amazing, a uh, two-time grad. Um, you know, I, I couldn't have done it with, without the support of you guys. You guys, <laughs> I'm kidding, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it, feels, it feels good if, uh, to finally, you know, hopefully be done with school and, um, you know, graduate from the greatest university in the world. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be done, and I'm happy to finally be able to – actually, this is going to be the first football season, I think, in, in two years that I'm going to be able to actually enjoy it because, I'm, one, I'm not working for the university anymore. And two, I'm not doing my master's while the season's going on. So it's going to be it's going to be fun just to be able to sit back and just just enjoy the fun. You hear that, folks? That is the return of David Handel in full force, which means he has no excuses to miss any games. And you heard him jump in there, of course, all things FAU, all things 247, Owls 247. Mr. Shane Marinelli, go ahead, sir. David, are we sure you're going to be able to enjoy an FIU Panther season? I mean, that's that's a big statement. Well, you know, I'm going to go on record saying I'm going to go on record right now saying that FIU will have a victory this season before FAU. Book it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Long Island University, uh, better get it done, or else Mr. Handel's going to be. Uh... If, that, if that, if you don't win that one, man. <laughs> No, I already said I'm retiring. I, if, if I'm telling you right now, if we don't beat LIU, you won't. This will be the last time you hear from me. Like you will, I will deactivate Twitter. Wow. I will move to a remote island. I'm gonna be Long living. Island. You could just you could yeah. go out there on the island. You know, meet your parents. 
then eventually after you spend enough time on Long Island, you can get a nice condo on Boynton Beach. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, like that, that's what my, my plan. <laughs> really quick before we get started, we want to say a huge thanks to our newest partner. That is Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. Definitely go to underdogfantasy.com and please stay tuned. Keep an eye out on the Shula Bowl Pod Twitter account at Shula Bowl Pod. We're going to be dropping some information as far as how to get involved in the Underdog Fantasy Leagues just for you guys, FAU and FIU. So stay tuned and gracias. Thank you to our newest partner, Underdog Fantasy. Without further ado, Let's get to it. This is going to be our, it is what, uh, August 23rd. So we're going to get into season previews here. We're going to start with the team that had a much better record than the Panthers last year. I figure by virtue of their success and FIU's failures, we should start with the FAU Owls. And who better to talk FAU Owls football than the man who is an insider? He is a verified insider. Excuse me, he's not verified just yet. He's a certified insider. That is Mr. Shane Marinelli, all things FAUOWLS247.com. Shane, bring us up to speed, if you will. Uh, you know, top three, top five things, whichever, whichever number you feel comfortable with uh, as far as, you know, notes from camp. Three things that fans should know or five things, whichever number you, uh, you have. But take it away. Um, are we talking the minutes we're allowed to view practice, three or five? <laughs> uh, Shane yeah, Marinelli uh, sounds like a verified journalist, sir. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, no, it's fine. They, they let us in. Um, yeah, I, I think just noticing the big thing that jumped off to me, you know, obviously we've talked about it, is just kind of the transformations of the bodies. Uh, FAU looks bigger, stronger. I, you know, I, I kind of was speaking with one person close to the program and saying this is the biggest defensive line I've ever seen by far um, for FAU, you know, just body size wise, uh, you know, that was firmly agreed upon. And you know, it's it, so, you know, there's that, uh, you know, just noticing a little bit of, I can't go into much details, but the offense will look different this year, right? I think it's, you know, if you, if you could use, read some of the tea leaves, if I told other fans to, to check out, uh, I would, you know, just look at some of the coaches' histories and see what they type offense they've coached before. Maybe that can give you an idea. Um, also, the quarterback battle rages on, uh, you know, I, I I think when it's all said and done, I think it'll be Perry, but you know, he's definitely having to earn that spot. Shane, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you want to continue? Sorry. Yeah. I just, I just want to jump in because I I was going to ask, I saw a tweet from uh, our good friend, Willie Taggart's burner. And he put up a poll asking um, like who, you know, people thought would be the starter to be Perry or Tronti. And I thought it was a joke. I, I, so I wasn't even sure. I, I, like, but now that you say that, there is there act like there's an actual chance he doesn't start. Yes, absolutely. Let, let's remember two things here. Uh, Perry didn't get here till later. Okay, uh, and you know, so Tronti has the advantage of being here during the spring. He has the advantage of being here all last year. Tronti also, you know, flew out to California for a couple of weeks, worked with Kurt Warner. You know, this is a kid who basically, instead of just saying, oh, okay, they brought in a couple of transfers, I'm going to hit the portal. And no, he kind of got to work. I saw him. He looks a little even bigger than he did last season. And, you know, all that stuff about, you know, every college football 
coaches saying, oh, well, the guys didn't have a spring last year. Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. This year they got a full. That applies to Nick Tronti, too. So, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's some things limiting about him. But I also think towards the end of the year, he was playing a little better. Uh, in a weird way, I, I say he could be like almost a safe pick, right? Uh, if you, you know he's going to kind of know the offense and run the offense uh, with it's in its boundaries. So I, I don't think he's going to be the starter, but like there's a logical explanation. If he is, I guess is kind of my answer. Well, well, if you don't want one, you can send one down to Pantherland and we'll, we'll take him with open arms. Preferably Perry. <laughs> I mean, if I tried, so <laughs> Shane, really quick, I just want to uh, jump in here and kind of piggyback off David's question. Not necessarily asking you to assess the the quarterback situation in terms of what will happen on week one, but I'm asking for your personal opinion here. True or false, what would you say to this statement? Or or however you want to answer it, I won't limit you to true or false. If I were to say that it was incorrect to assess that Nick Tronti is who we thought he was in terms of the player that we saw last year, you would say what to that? Uh, I'd say the ceiling's a tad higher than what we saw last year. Uh, I, 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 but you know, I do think there's an element though, with there's a little pressure. I'm going to, you know, as kind of, I guess the fans would say, and like, I just made a logical argument is there's a logical explanation to Tronti starting. You also forget, you know, let's remember Michael Johnson Jr. Looked really good during the spring game. To me, it is a really tough sell if you bring in two four-star quarterbacks, one of them with a lot of experience, and you say, well, we did all, we had a spring and a fall, and out of those two two four-star quarterbacks, we emerged with the same guy as last year. That's not an easy sell to me, even though there could be, you know, there is kind of a reasonable explanation behind it, but, you know, it's... It's it, it, there won't be excitement from the fan base. I'll put it that way. Shane, did you have any more points you want to touch on, or because I'm, I'm only asking because I have a couple things I want to ask in specificity, so I don't want to jump ahead. No, no, I, I'm curious to kind of hear your opinion on it, and and I'm kind of I'm kind of in the boat of I, I get why. Again, I'll repeat that I get why it would happen. Right, I, I get the how you would arrive at a place where Tronti is the starter. But again, I just don't, I, I, I think that's a little bit, it'd be a tough sell. I'll give you my two cents as far as the quarterback situation there. And I think you hit the nail on the head as far as it being a tough sell. I'm going to draw an analogy, Shane, and it's not exactly apples to apples, right? Because FAU has much more talent than this team. But when you look at, in my opinion, this quarterback situation kind of resembles what you have at Charlotte, right? With Chris Reynolds, who's there, and he's the scrappy guy who earns the respect of his team. And, and, and listen, it's probably poor of me to compare Nick Tronti and Chris Reynolds because one has had more success. But my point is, if you look at what Charlotte didn't bring in James Foster, he is the quarterback that if you're an offensive-minded coach, 
you say, okay, he can do all the things that we envision our offense to do and look like, right? In terms of making the throws, stretching the field, really giving your offense that added element of a quarterback who goes out there and makes plays as opposed to one who's quote unquote the safe pick. And I think that is the situation here. And Shane, I'll please, you know, correct me if, if you uh, if I'm wrong if I erred in any way. I think that's the situation with Nick Tronti. While he may improve, I don't, and and I'll let you be the judge as to whether he is what we saw he was last year, but it feels that with Nick Tron, you have a very safe ceiling and that if you just look at the layout of conference USA East, that may still get FAU the division. But as you mentioned, you have two former four-star quarterbacks whose abilities to lifts probably allow for more expansion of that offense. So that's kind of yeah. And I know what the argument is. There's going to be guys that say, you know, if you don't know it, you know, Michael Johnson jr. Is young. Uh, and Nikosi Perry has a history of being a gunslinger, right? And I know, you know, especially longtime football coaches and uh, I, gunslingers scare football coaches, right? At the heart of, unless you, especially you know, Taggart, who's come from the Harbaugh system and, and someone who's been around, I guess maybe, you know, a, a little bit falls under some of the old school mentality, turnover scare coaches, Right. Like they really scare coaches and I'm not saying this. We don't know. And I've explained this to people. I don't know. You, you know, maybe, and I get, we have no idea. Maybe Nikosi Perry is throwing a ton of interceptions in practice entire in the coaching staff is saying, we can't afford the turnovers for every one great throw. There's one really that makes you go, Ooh, what is going on here? Uh, and coaches tend to shy away from those things. Uh, also picking a quarterback is so hard in camp. So hard. It's it, to me, it's the hardest position to evaluate. And again, Lane Kiffin, who most people consider an offensive genius, his first year at FAU rolled out Daniel Parr for three games till he realized, Oh, Jeff Driscoll, you know, until he realized Driscoll was better at this, you know, it, sometimes it takes for the lights to come on and you got to see them, you know, just kind of in the show until, you figure out who your guy is. So Shane, really quick, I don't want to get too in the weeds of the roster only because I think some of that will happen as we go game by game. So I have two questions I'm going to save till after we go by our game by game uh, synopsis here. And David, do you have anything before I get started on that? Or if you do, okay. And then feel free as I'm going game by game, if you got something, jump right in. But we're going to start with the season opener, 730 Eastern at the Swamp. Florida Atlantic heads to... Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Shane, take it away. I really liked FAU more on like speaking of just playing the game a couple weeks ago. And then, you know, I've really thought about a couple things here. And I'll get more into this. You know, I'll just as I on the podcast to do our game previews. Dan Mullen ain't gonna let Dan Mullen's too good of a coach. Uh, and he's not gonna let uh Emory Jones, I guess Treon Harris this game into going into overtime with the Owls, okay? That's one. Two, uh, you're going to have to score points, right? Like, Epi, you got away with it a few years ago not having to score points. I do think there is an element of FAU bringing back all these seniors, and this goes for a lot of the G5 schools that bring back a lot more seniors where you kind of have the, you know, uh, second round of the NCAA tournament game where it's like, you know, how did uh, Northwest Missouri State, 
you know, uh, play Duke to the buzzer. It's like, well, Northwest Missouri State had, you know, it's the, the four seniors that have played together and, you know, that the experienced point guard. FU kind of has that, right? Especially on the defensive side of the ball and all the talent, you know, all the guys coming back on offense and the starters, we've talked about this, right? So there is kind of an element where they're kind of this really senior-laden team. Uh, you know, my worry is, is FAU can't score. I'm not going to go into this much detail on all the games. Don't worry about it, guys. Uh, is FAU defense kind of plays it close? It's like 13-3 at half, and then all of a sudden it's Florida quick touchdown, uh, turnover, Florida quick touchdown, three and out, Florida, you know, starts to wear them out. And next thing you know, it was a game where you say, oh, well, they lost 38-10, but it was much closer than that. Uh, so I, I think my prediction for the game is going to be 31-10. FAU loses. Uh, I just don't know if the offense is going to be up and kicking by then. Defense makes it sticky for a little bit, but ultimately that's a cover for FAU. So that's a win for everybody. And as Shane said, he's not going to go that in-depth. We're not going to go in-depth in terms of every single game. We're going to pull out a few that I uh, think are going to be pertinent as we go down the line here. Georgia Southern, we know this is a game that First off, you got CUSA Sunbelt. We all know how Shane Marinelli and, quite frankly, the rest of us feel about how Sunbelt's probably a kind of lap conference USA in terms of certain things. But in terms of a matchup, it's obviously a rematch from last year. This one takes place in Boca Raton. 9-11, 20-year anniversary, 3-30. Shane, what you got? Uh, I think FAU kind of runs away with this. Uh, Georgia Southern, obviously, they've lost a lot of talent for the portal. Wurtz is gone. Shire Wurtz is gone. They lost the two, uh, one of their really good defensive backs to Louisville. Obviously, their projected starting quarterback has suspended the first two games. Uh, you can see uh, Tampa's own uh, Cameron Ransom, a true freshman, possibly starting that game. Uh, FAU also just saw most of all of FAU's front seven just saw this offense, right? So, you know, there's a little bit of, I, you know, I've, I've read a little bit last year, Georgia Southern's had a little bit more trouble in the conference than they thought, and that's, what happens is when you get a couple years of seeing the, their offense and the triple option doesn't catch teams off guard. I think FAU has an advantage. Also, the game's at home. Uh, FAU's front seven, Chase Lasseter, Keith Leroy, Evan Anderson, Jaden Wheeler's too good. And even last year when they lost to Georgia Southern, it, it, it was 20-3, to three, but FAU had tons of chances in the red zone. They turned the ball over four times. I even think they outgained Georgia Southern in that game. So it was like... You know, you just don't turn the ball over, and they probably win that one uh, up there last year. I, I think they go away by a couple of scores. We're not previewing Fordham because if FAU loses to Fordham or plays them tight, then they have bigger issues. So let's go well, to – Well, let's uh, just point out this. FAU and FIU each play uh, a school from a different borough in New York. F- Fordham is in the Bronx, Correct. Fordham, Fordham is, is in the Bronx. You're, you're yeah. Correct. Yes. Okay. So now, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I played Wagner before. I'm pretty sure Wagner's in Queens, right? Too. Like, yeah, I always just bring them all down. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to FAU at Air Force. Uh, this is the worst game any school could ever schedule. Uh, FEU, you're going to take a bunch of Florida kids, go to altitude, play a more traditional chop at your knees, triple option. Uh, it's, I, I think FAU is close. I, the only way FAU wins, if they're going to have to put up 35 plus points, force a couple turnovers, Air Force 
pretty much a bunch of guys opted out who can't, didn't play last year and are coming back. Uh, that's just too, I think air force's record at a conference at home is something ridiculous. I just think it's too weird of a game. Uh, I think FAU loses a close one to air force. So really quick, if my math here is correct, we got FAU entering the shoeable at two and two. Is that correct, Shane? Correct. All right. I, so we're not going to preview. We're not going to preview the shoeable. I do want to say something. I want to say respect to Shane because Shane has actually been saying, talking about this game for like two years now, and yes. he's like stayed like this is the hardest game on FAU schedule. Like Shane is. I remember him saying that last year when they were like, or two years ago, whenever it was first scheduled, and Shane was so pissed. He's like. Damn it, that's like the last team I want to play. So respect to staying. If they win that game, it's arguably the greatest win in school history. Just, I mean, Eric, I mean, you're someone who covers more of a national program. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, when you consider the this we how odd it is and difficult it is to go across the country and play a triple option in altitude at a service academy, it's just Bama would never play that game. Put it to you this way, without knowing the history of FAU's wins, I would say it's a significant win for the reason you just said at the end, which is most teams tend to, most uh, quote-unquote you know, powerhouses or blue bloods, whatever you know, idiom you want to use, tend to avoid that game for that specific reason. So it, it is of a certain significance, yes. Yes, it's, it's just a really tricky game. Uh, and then, oh, so Eric, what are your host, we're moving on to the Shula Bowl right now, right? Yeah, we're gonna skip the Shula Bowl because obviously we'll talk about the Shula Bowl in depth probably. You know, L, it's a W. L, we're just, it's a W. It's a w. L, L. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go to a game that I think is more is more pertinent than the Shula Bowl. Sorry, right now, FIU fans, and that's FAU at UAB. That's a game that's October 9th. That if I am not parting with David Hondel in Tampa, I will be covering because I, I've already talked to folk, fine folks there at a uh, UAB, and uh, I want to make a trip for that one. So, Shane Marinelli, what you got? I, I first have to admit, guilty. Um, you guys start piling on me. I have a wedding that day. Oh, this clown. This clown. David Hodley, get him. Get him, David Hodley. Oh, the tables have turned. It was a reschedule from a non-fall wedding to a fall wedding. Um, I have informed the bride already that I will be bringing a hot spot in to where they're getting married, and I will be streaming it. Um, while they're, they're doing their vows. I, 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 have already had the full discussion, like, Hey, kickoffs at three 30. I saw your vows are like four. It says like four ten on the thing. I said, that lines up pretty good with possible halftime. So I said, if you guys can just knock the vows out in 20 minutes, um, you know, I, I checked with their, I, they were laughing. I said, you know, this isn't, we're not doing like a Catholic wedding here. Right. We're, we're standing and sitting for an hour. Cause I'm like, I have my phone games on stadium. There, there's going to be, I'm going to be like in a meme because there's going to be someone behind me. Like, like how rude. <laughs> I've, already, I've already marked it in my calendar as Shane wedding weekend, because whatever, what, whatever we record that week, I'm going to let you have it for that. <laughs> and, and I am, I'm also going to pile on and say, okay, you know, I want to recommend to FAU fans. Check Owls247 for all your FAU coverage. But if you want actual coverage of someone who cares about the Owls and will go to that game, Damn. follow Eric C. Henry yeah. We will be covering it on all fronts. <laughs> all right, Shane. Uh, as far as the, the game's concerned, obviously you have strong thoughts as far as UAB. So do I. So that'll be a fun one to get into as that week comes along. But uh, what you got so far? 
I, I have FAU's a more talented team. Um, you know, Bill Clark can only, uh, you know, uh, I guess you know, his poor recruiting and Bill Clark's magic, uh, you know, I, I, Eric knows exactly what I'm referring to here, uh, can only go so far. And I think, you know, FAU's a deeper team. UOB, UAB will be up for that game. But again, I, I think there's a little bit of UAB success over the last couple of years. They get to beat up on a lot of UTEPs and Rices of the world and down North Texas teams. And I, I think FAU's just deeper. Um, and there's nothing about UAB's quarterback that truly scares me. Or, um, and I think FAU goes there and wins, it, wins a close game. Following that game, they head to the Queen City in 12 days to take on Charlotte. What you got there? A little Thursday night action. Uh, perfect also, timing. Also, quick, quick note, Shane, not to cut you off, I just want to say that uh, Zion Gilbert, uh, Smoke Munge, and the rest of those guys, Vic Tucker said, hey, none of them good. Continue. What? Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe Vic Tucker gets, a, uh, gets a, you know, get some – maybe 11 catches for like 120 yards and, you know, help Charlotte uh, get 14 points in a 38 to 14 loss because Charlotte's defense is not where it needs to be right now. And FAU is going to run the ball all through them. For any listeners who didn't get that reference, Vic Tucker on CSA media day, when asked by a, a local reporter, Vic Tucker said, uh, who was the toughest CSA DB played against? He said, none of them, none of them good showing that trademark Dave County swagger. Uh, UTEP comes to Boca. Uh, Yeah, Shane, that's the one conference game. We'll skip. Let's get to Marshall. Uh, Marshall comes to Boca November 6th. What do you got on on the Thundering Herd coming to Boca? Uh, A reeling Marshall comes into Boca uh, November 6th. The the hopes of that being a big game kind of dissipate because I just don't think Marshall's going to be very good this year. I think they've lost too much talent. Uh, I believe another... One of their incoming transfers left the team. Uh, I, I just, I just don't. It, again, as I've said with Marshall, unless their quarterback takes a huge step forward, I don't know how they got better from last year. I, I only see down. I only see, you know, them taking a step back. It's, it's just a, it, you know, the the facts on the table. I think FAU uh, and Marshall kind of grinded out defensively. Marshall's still really talented on the defensive side. FAU wins twenty to ten. No disrespect to the fighting Ricky Ronnies, but they're coming off a year and that they didn't play and they were one in 11 in the final year of the Kamana head coach at Oldie ODU. Why am I having a horrible brain fart right here? Anyhow, uh, we're not proving that game. Uh, we're going to get to a game that's, that's more important here. Uh, Western Kentucky, Shane, mm. November 20, November 20th in Bowling Green, noon kickoff, Heisman hopeful, Bailey Zappi comes in, 4,000 yards in tow, 40 touchdowns, ready to shred the FAU Owls defense. What you got? 40 touchdowns and probably a ton of interceptions. Did that 4,000 yards come from throwing the ball 100 times per game? Because his team is always down. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I think FAU in the secondaries, too, I don't really see, I don't know. I, I get, that's the biggest mystery game. FAU also has a long history playing really well against uh at West Kentucky they haven't lost there in a long time it's 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 been kind of a a home away from home for FAU 
Uh, I, I just think FAU matches up well with an air raid, uh, you know, just with all the athletes kind of on the field. Uh, and we'll, we'll just kind of see. Uh, and it, I, we'll see also where West Kentucky's defense is. They lost some depth there too. So I like FAU in that game. Two quick things. One, the ODU coach I could not remember was Bobby Wilder, but that's not important. B, what is important, Zach Kitley, Western Kentucky offensive coordinator, said in his introductory press conference, he was brought there to light up the scoreboard, baby. We're going to see fireworks shooting from everywhere in Houghton Smith Stadium on November 20th. Bailey's happy for Heisman. Uh, next game that we're going to preview is going to be FAU and Middle Tennessee to close out the year November 27th, 7 p.m. start. Rick Stockstill, the Man who is two games over 500 in his 13 years. Uh, yeah, uh, Shane, take it away. This would be a weird game FAU could lose. I don't know why. And granted, this is so far down the line. We're just really making kind of fun projections here. But Middle Tennessee always just gives FAU fits. I guess it's what if you see a fans, Eric, you can relate. It's FAU's Tulsa. Correct. You know what I mean? It's just especially when they go to uh, a good thing at home. Okay. You know, FAU's won the last two times against North Tennessee at home. If this is in Murfreesboro, I'd chalk it up to an L it's like, it's like playing uh, a back to back in the NBA where Denver is the second, like you go Utah, Denver, you, you could just chalk, you know, Utah up as a loss. Uh, but middle Tennessee always just gives FAU fits. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, we'll see where Rick Stockstill is. You know, he'll probably, that'll probably be the jo- game where if like, he wins, he'll just, he'll be that fifth win just enough where he keeps his job. You know, maybe he adds another three years on his contract. So, um, we'll, we'll kind of see, but that one's always tricky. Rick Stock still has a buyout of over $2 million. He'll be there long after this podcast exists. Uh, with that being said, so if my, uh, if, again, if my math is correct here, Shane, I believe we got to add 10 and 2. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, David, do you have anything or can I jump into uh, the questions? If you do, uh, shoot. Um, no, uh, I don't have anything except 10 and 2 is ridiculous uh, because we know how the Shula Bowl's going. All right, you're good, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, I'm going to just, you know, come point blank here. I think the two questions that uh, I, I tend to like them when I get them. So now that you are a seasoned veteran journalist, I'm going to shoot them your way. FAU will not win the conference. Or excuse me, FAU will not win the division if what? If they can't figure out the quarterback position, right? Like that's that's the position in all the sports. We can talk about all of FAU's experience in defense and coaching uh, you know, that's, that's one thing I, and another thing I will go past the obvious, you know, FAU's had a kind of a history and we'll see, I, I really want it to break this year when they've gone from coordinator that is considered, I guess, runs bait, more of a basic defense. And then they go to a coordinator that tends to run, I guess, a more of a deeper complex defense. FAU's always tend to struggle on that. We saw that when they went from uh, Chris Kiffin to Tony Pecker, uh, Tony Pecorella. Uh, it didn't work. You know, then they, you know, they, they kind of switched back over uh, to the more simple defense uh, the last year with Glenn Spencer. And it really kind of started to click towards the end of the year. You know, last year, Jim Levitt, you know, he, he likes to run some basic defenses, a little bit more of a blitz scheme. Uh, and it worked. Now they've gone to Stoops, 
who, you know, let's just be real. It has a great long history, but it didn't finish strong at Oklahoma for various reasons. Okay. You know, went to Alabama, did the whole Alabama analyst thing and just bring in some of that scheming over here. Will that work here? You know what I mean? Alabama runs a pretty complex defense. So I'm just curious, you know, does, you know, there, there can't be growing pains for FD's defense. Final question, Shane. Three players that FAU season comes down to will depend on their play. Who are they? Okay, we'll just go with quarterback in general, right? Sure. Whoever emerges there. Larry McCammon and Malcolm Davidson are a tie. I, I know that's cheating. They got to stay healthy. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, let's go with Zion Gilbert. He's got to be, he's been really good. He's got to take that next step as corner and be a shutdown guy. FAU's defense works so well. And Miko Dotson got so many interceptions in 2019 because James Pierre teams didn't throw at him. They didn't even look over there. So, it, you know, when you, when you have a guy that, and we see James Pierre playing really well with the Steelers right now, when you have a guy that can kind of do that and force more balls to the middle of the field where it's more dangerous. That's when you get all the tip passes and interceptions and Akias Leroy and Rashad Smith, and, you know, and Miko Dotson getting their hands on balls. I, I think if Zion can become like a true, you know, third of the field is, is, is just not an option for teams. It'll take, have take up these defense to the next step. It's funny, Shane, you and I see it exactly the same way, and specificity with Zion Gilbert, who's been a very good Conference USA defensive back. If he takes the next step and becomes a very good G5 defensive back, uh, I think that will benefit FAU's defense tremendously and take them to the next level. And you cheated a little bit with the backs. I, I was going to give the name Malcolm Davidson just because, and this isn't, and you have a better read on this, and uh, this is my last point before we close up this episode, but I understand that Larry McKinnon has a lot of potential. He's been banged up and hasn't been able to stay healthy during his career. But we've seen Malcolm Davidson at, relatively speaking, his peak. And that is one of the top running backs in Conference USA. If you get one of those guys, or if you get that guy, excuse me, and you get one of the other guys being McCammon and Johnny Ford, look out. So, uh, obviously, that's that. Let me just counter that uh, real my point that I wrote on when I did my VIP, uh, you know, for subscribers on LC47 projected depth chart, I kind of had Larry McCammon as kind of this false, I, I don't want to say false number one, but as the number one back because he's going to play more than the other two guys. Larry McCammon does all the little things well. He's your, he's your most reliable blitz pick, you know, a uh, pass protecting back. He's really good at catching. So, and, you know, he's pretty explosive running back. If he's doing all those things, it, it, it kind of helps the offense as a whole a little bit more. So, yes, Malcolm Davidson's explosive, and, you know, he's the guy that's going to provide you 15 carries, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. But Larry does so many of just that, uh, so much of the just the needed work that coaches love. You know, uh, one of FE's coaches talk about, like, He'll play fullback if you need him to, which he probably could. He's big enough. And I just think that's why maybe he kind of he, – he'll edge out Malcolm in just that little category there. You heard it from the man himself. 
That is our FAU season preview slash schedule breakdown. We will follow this up with the FIU season preview and schedule breakdown to be taped later this week. Once I get back from Boston, David Handel and I will hop back on the horn and we'll knock out some things. And for Shane Marinelli, we'll have his thoughts on the Panthers as well. But in the meantime, we want to thank you for listening. We want to say you can find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel. Three, two, one. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane and Shane really quick. I, I got to memorize the uh, Twitter account. Is, is it owls two, four, seven for the owls Twitter account? Owls two, four, seven. There we go. At owls two, four, seven for all things, Florida Atlantic sports coverage. Last but not least, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C Henry underscore. Thank you. Or excuse me. Wait, hold on. Last but not least, shout out to the folks at five reasons sports. Just find them on Twitter at the number five reasons sports. Thank you for listening. I can say happy football watching because football is back. Preseason football is here, and soon enough, college football will be back. Happy football watching, and I'll catch you next time.